Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You need to know exactly where your food's coming from. That's the, the clientele that buy the menu every week. Keeping your eyes open and your ears to the ground, essentially, and listening to what people are growing. The integrity, that, that provenance, that ability to not just know where something came from, but to really know the, the ins and outs of how it was raised mm-hmm. is really important. Hey there, and welcome to another Quicksand Food Connection podcast. This is the Capital Cookbook 3 edition, and my name's Stefan Postuma. Today, I speak with Malcolm Hatch. He is the head chef at Urban Pantry Cafe in Manica. Urban Pantry is a fantastic community cafe in Manica. It's been around for quite a long time now, and it's really been on the cutting edge of cafe culture in Canberra. And at Urban Pantry, Malcolm's really been able to create a menu that's vibrant and keeps up with the modern food culture that we find ourselves surrounded. In. I got to know Malcolm over the production of the Capital Cookbook 2 three years ago, and he's back again with a great salmon niçoise salad recipe for the Capital Cookbook 3. I always enjoy talking to Malcolm, so I hope that you also enjoy this conversation with Malcolm Hatch from Urban Pantry in Manica. How long have you been the head chef at Urban Pantry for? Yeah. Four years I have yeah. been in charge and enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it um you, the, it's gone through a bit of a transformation in the last year, has it? Yes, uh, on a couple of aspects of the business, the transformation as far as the decor and the renovations and paint job and brushing up on the appearance, as well as our trading hours and what we're trying to achieve in yeah. those trading hours. Okay, so, so how have the trading hours changed? Uh, we're no longer doing a dinner, uh, just focusing more on our breakfast and our lunches um, because we believe that's uh, what we are good at and we're just trying instead of spreading ourselves thinly over a lot more trade that uh, doesn't exist anymore through competition and obviously taste um, focusing on something we already have and building that as a stronger platform yeah is it is it, is it is it difficult as a chef to, to run a place like I think one of the challenges for a lot of people in hospitality is to run a place that is open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you guys are were open for seven seven days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, is that right. That's a correct. challenge. For so sure. the seven days and nights included into that has been from the start of Urban Pantry, which is seven years. So leading up to the head chef position, I was second in command, 
Um, so I've seen how hard it is all, all the way through on those trading hours. And the challenges that arrive for them are obviously uh, competent staff and staff retain retention. Um, yeah. But not only that, trying to um, give the level of food that dinner services deserve and the challenge of separating your business between a cafe that um, can be a lot more relaxed, perhaps, um, and comforting, to then trying to instantly change in an hour in the afternoon to bring that restaurant uh, appeal and the quality you get with uh, associated with restaurants. Yeah, cool. And what, um, so obviously with a change, with taking dinner sort of off the, off, off the roster of what you guys were doing, you obviously freed up in your time that you, that you have because you're not trying to worry about ordering and staffing and running dinner services. So sort of how does that translate into a change and an improvement in what you do as a chef, like in your menu or, and in you, how you sort of structure what you do in the kitchen? Well, it translates from a structural point of view is you can... Um, give people more specific tasks which therefore I believe you get a better product uh, from from that um, dedication and um, focus on a specific task and examples would that be would be obviously uh, chefs know their section a lot more because they're not doing two days on that and then helping the other person on their day off in a different section they can focus a lot more on running their own section whether it be uh, larder proteins yeah. or pastas or uh, des- desserts yeah so that uh, translated into I think from a structural point of view easier for me to give people a direct direction in their job and making sure they follow that role cool and and, and I guess that also means that you sort of get the best out of your staff as well rather than um, giving them giving them so much information that you know they need to know how to run both a dinner and a lunch and breakfast um, and, and different sections being able to focus and really focus on quality in your section or even as you, you know in your position as head chef it, it really just translates into an improvement in quality across the board in the product as you say I agree as well as I believe not only in the product that you're receiving and the technical and practical part of the kitchen but I also agree on that emotional level. Uh, it's it's a massive uplift to not have uh, any hang-ups or anxiety about your Saturday night service, or which then you know you're heading into low sleep to get up for Sunday. So I think also on an emotional level, as far as people's um, happiness in the workplace is, is translated as well through the... Yeah. 100%. That's good. Yeah, my so family's you, you loving it. That? Oh, really? Yeah. Your family's loving my, it? My young children, obviously. That must be fantastic. Seeing me a lot more than they were. Oh, that's good. Um, but it's no excuse to slack off or anything as of well. Of course so not. Make, I think it, it's, probably, it's probably a good reason to, you know, work harder, if anything. Work harder on, on, on the smaller workload, you know, and, and, and really push forward because... You know, chefs and hospitality, you know, business owners as well as managers, front of house staff, have a notoriously good work ethic, and and you're doing so many hours a week, and yeah, when you when you're focusing on breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and and spreading that work ethic and workload 
across that, I think you, yeah, you, you'd put the same work ethic into just running lunch and breakfast services. But as you as you say, sort of the quality that comes out and the emotional the emotional response to it as well just is a, is a big improvement. That's a really cool thing. Well, I think if from a business owner point of view, you'd be disappointed in your uh, staff and team if they didn't want to take that on with respect and say, okay, you've given us this, mm. uh, you've you know made our social lives potentially enjoyable. Um, I think to welcome that and to step up to the plate and stay focused and um, strive for that good job at the end of the day goes hand in hand with that. Mm. So pat my back sure. and I pat it back. Yeah, exactly. Um, how with the with the renovation and these changes, how have you? How has the menu sort of developed or, or changed since since being a, a, a restaurant, a dinner restaurant as well? The um, the menu is constantly changing. Obviously, from uh, first opening the business, the business was actually set up with a lot more of a provador feel to it. We used to sell a lot of third-party goods, yep. fresh breads and infused oils, dry pastas and trying to get that gourmet sales. But um, I think that market was slowly dying away and we made those decisions and then we moved on to um, what we felt was right with the dinner services and the lunch. So now to the current change, um, the question at hand with the current change, the food um, has not necessarily changed in its philosophy of having a um, rustic and housemade feel with um, some new innovative twists to it. But I think we've just been able to select better produce to hit the nail on the head. So we don't need to run around now and think about where we're gonna get our veal ribeye from Mm -hmm. at an expensive top end price because there is no market to cook a well done ribeye veal <laughs> cutlet at lunch and have a client wait the with the resting time potentially 25 minutes and upwards yeah so those things have translated into the new menu a lot more faster and fresher food and breakfast well not a great deal of change that's always our job is just to change the um the look and taste combinations mm. um breakfast is a really stable um, ship that sails, so we don't really want to meddle with that. Yeah. But coming from the dinner where we had a cool room with um, certain dinner foods and ingredients um, that we don't really need to look at anymore, and that's where it translates. I think mm-hmm. we're, we're sticking with fresh and simple and fast. Mm. So, you know, uh, everything's portioned a lot differently to the way of the dinner mm. I think yeah yeah and I think that you know a, a really good representation of what you're talking about with fresh and fast is the dish that we have in the capital cookbook three the salmon niswas salad which is a classic urban pantry dish but as you say it's there is some sort of like innovative twists and it's not it's it's not something that it's it, it's familiar but it there's there's little things in there that people find interesting. Do you do you want to just give us a rundown of how you how you came up with that dish and sort of what it is and how you put it together? Thank thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, because it is a obviously not a new dish per se, uh, a modern classic. But for us to expose clientele 
to new lines of lettuce leaves that they may not have uh, realized are accessible um, and to offer a different technique every time we reinvent the nissoir through um, how we're doing the eggs from you know sous viding them or from boiling to poaching to serving um, that way or um, what we're doing with how we're making the dressing if we're um, reinventing those aspects of the dish and then matching decor crockery and the final touch um, mm. the, the so-called garnish I think that's adds to the urban pantryness of it mm. and yeah I'm really satisfied with a staple like that in the menu yep. that everybody can recognise but then obviously when it uh, arrives clients get to see the Niswar and they're envisioning uh, something they may have had on or seen on a, another menu at another venue and they can uh, see the changes but they are so familiar with the dish as well there's no expectation um, disappointment you're getting lovely fresh grilled fish and all your ingredients that already exist which you're aware of and then to see the the finer touches oh that's a different style of potato and there's a different uh, lettuce line that we're not familiar with yeah um, you know yeah you've got a good combination of lettuces in there yeah I think um, I think that makes you leave with a little bit of a that was scrumptious and it it was exactly what I wanted because I've had a salad like this before but then obviously to see it replated yeah, I think yeah, it's a really cool. It's a really cool way of doing it, and the thing I love about Niswas is like it, as you say, it really hits the spot in in terms of freshness. Like you've got so much freshness there in the salad, the way you guys do it, and it's healthy. You know, a bit of potato, some eggs, some salmon, um, and some olives, some beans. Such a such a great combination, and when you when you have something like that, you feel so good afterwards for having it and 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 the way that you guys do it not like it's not it's not done in a way that's super complicated in in that you've you've sort of lost what a niswa is about but it's 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 just modernized and 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 interesting and as you say sort of like hits the nail on the head with how you how you come away after having something like that yeah thank you again yeah. for that um and that relates to our conversation towards the differences between the the dinner and the the day trade and potentially if we were offering that on the finer dining end of the dinner I think there would be a lot more complication to it for instance how we're going to do the fish and how are we going to prepare the the beans and getting it um getting that classic dish to um, be reinvented um is is a challenge but it also enables us to bring that product and we do nail it and the customer gets it quick they get it fresh they get it healthy and they get it uncomplicated but it still is uh, a new experience for them mm. yeah that's really cool um i'll just change direction quickly you know being the being the head chef here at urban pantry for four years and you know when i first met you was with the last capital cookbook um in the last four years, there's been an absolute explosion of new places opening, you know, not just around the area where we are here in Monaco, but also 
everywhere else in Canberra. You see it in the city, you see it in the suburbs and all that sort of stuff. But being as, as a head chef and, and operating a, a popular venue like Urban Pantry, which it's always been, um, you know, how it has the... It, has this explosion of new openings affected affect like affected the way that you look at your business and have you sort of been forced in a, in a sense to to really to really look at what you're doing to try to to try to hold the clientele and keep urban pantry as as popular as it's always been um i agree with that comment um i believe the the market if you do not um, look at it and analyze it and make um, and make moves to understand that information you've got then you can be left behind but in saying that they never forced our hands mm-hmm. our my business owners are always reinventing themselves always have a philosophy on business that it is a cycle and Regardless of what other people are doing, our main focus is on what we are doing. Yeah. Because we do want to retain customer and clientele base, mm-hmm. but also attract new avenues of revenue through clients. And this may somewhat be affected by what's going on everywhere else. So a question like that is is a ask me on whichever day of the week, and it might be different because <laughs> um, sometimes you feel like there's a saturation and why is this all happening and it doesn't make sense. But in saying that, these people are willing to do it and they want to put their money on the line with new businesses and we wish them all the best. Yeah, we, we do not wish for yeah. the fail of a competitor, but we see it as healthy competition. But the main thing is is that we concentrate on what we do and we don't wait for people to make us make moves. Yeah, we make the moves when they need to I be think, made. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really evident in, you know, not just Urban Pantry but Double Shot and Locale as well, which featured in this book. Great. Shots. I think yeah, exactly. And I think that I I think that that's something that is super valuable when it comes to business ownership is viewing it as a cycle, and and you know to focus on what you're doing, but also to keep to keep it interesting so you don't just become. You, you know the the fossil of a place that just sits there with the same menu year after year and you know the same decor and the same service style or whatever it may be you keep the you keep the positive components of all those things and then you move forward with what's happening on the new in in the new in the new areas but i think the other thing also like like you were saying about how it could be a sort of what day of the week you ask why i asked you that question another thing about the you know the increase in the amount of places in canberra is that it's energized people's you know people's want to go out and dine in general so you know with social media and the sharing of the sharing of food and 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 new openings and you know people being able to access information about new new places online it makes people want to go out and 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 try new things and there's plenty of people who might not have been to urban pantry before but because people have this energy and enthusiasm for food culture in Canberra that's something that also feeds urban pantry as well not just you know it's not just well we now have more competitors it's we we now have more clientele too because there's more people engaging with 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 the food community and it's not like we're a, a place that just relies on regulars you know 
which yeah. is interesting. That, that's excellent statements to make um, with the social media and, and the um, the ease of it. There are a lot of people out there that do want to share their experiences at venues and that itself entices people who see that to go, yes, maybe I will tomorrow have coffee somewhere else and food somewhere else and I would like to put my opinion out there online of this venue as well. So, yeah, I think that's a very, mm. very good commentary to make. Um, do you think... Do you think with with that, and now that everyone's got an iPhone and everyone can take a photo of their meal and share their opinion on Instagram or Facebook or social media or their blog or whatever it may be, do you think that that's presented... Well, not presented a challenge for chefs, but has, has sort of made... Has sort of increased that expectation of chefs for consistency, where... you. In, in the past, maybe you might be let known by the Canberra Times or whatever it may be that they've got a critic coming in to do a review. And that's where and, and that's where a lot of people would have gained their media from and, and, and their information from. But now when it can happen at any time and you don't know who's a blogger who's got 50,000 followers that, that, that's going to do a write-up and they just take a quick iPhone snap of your, of, of, of your food and do it, do you think that that means that... I don't know if chefs think about it in this way, but you know, consistency is so important. Um, I think it just makes it more relevant. I don't think from a training aspect as as coming up in the chefing game, I think you're disciplined enough to want to be consistent and because you know the benefits of consistency. Yeah. Um, just through food costing or um, you know, just pleasing the clientele. But um obviously with it being so accessible with everyone having that digital media right in their palm of their hand. I believe it does reinforce the fact that you need to be consistent and um, innovative as well because, yes, you that's an unseen market that you are not seeing there in your shop, but as soon as it is online in digital media, it's instantly in everyone else's palm as well mm. um, and they get to see that. So, yeah, unless you like being seen with your pants down, <laughs> I think it's in everyone's interest to to uphold a standard yeah 100% mm. yeah and, and and it also it also plays into what you talk about about you know cycles and about keeping things interesting for people because new things is what people try to share in, in, in that in, in that realm quite a bit you know like if you run the same menu for 10 years you, you're not going to necessarily get an independent writer coming in to review the menu that they've already done or, or something like that so keeping it keeping it lively and fresh and stuff also feeds into that sort of this this sort of weird world that we find ourselves in with digital media and everyone having everyone having the ability to put information out there and, and their opinions out there it's an inter- it's an interesting thing to navigate i think and i think yeah it's definitely sort of in canberra it's huge and it's it's sort of made lots of i think it's had lots of positive effects on the food culture in in canberra as well yeah i agree um coming from my chefing career um, in the timeline of obviously when I started to where I am now uh, potentially chefs like me may find it at first a lot more daunting or um, one-sided or very hard to deal with because obviously when we were young teenagers we weren't as this wasn't part of our lifestyle so I think it's um, going to be okay for the new up-and-coming head chefs that are already 
natives to it and they will find it much easier to have that online presence in the direction they want it to mm. be and not feel stressed about it um when we first go back a few years and it, um you know there was all a lot of hang-ups and anxiety about checking the trip advisor every day and and making sure you're staying on top of that because this is very new to us we weren't used to such ease of criticism or ease of um you know and this is coming from people who potentially you may see as not qualified yeah. to say but they're definitely qualified to speak of their own personal experience so that was quite a little hump to get over mm. but we're well and truly past that now and um it's an essential part of your business the instagrams yeah. and the the facebook media mm. and um just from your staff the way they network as well it, it's it all plays that mm. massive role um, yeah definitely it's interesting what you say about that that initial hump of you know thinking about trip advisory in that way because i've worked with some chefs in the past as well who it's it, it you know, some chefs can be stubborn and, and big personalities and stuff, and they're used to, you know, especially head chefs, people are used to, um, you know, chefs used to being in control. It's interesting that you bring that up because I've been, I've, I've worked with chefs in the past. And, yeah, I mean, I, it, as you say, it's just a, it's a new thing and it's a bit of a, a landscape that people are now trying to navigate in different ways. And obviously, as you say, it's really important as well. But um, at the end of the day, I think that if chefs and you know business owners and and staff are just trying to focus on what they do and do it as best as do it as best as possible and you leave you leave as little room for error as possible that can be exposed by you know the digital space or or, or people giving their opinions and things like that that's that's the way forward and it sort of pushes everyone in the right direction regardless so it kind of works yeah um my opinions on this are i guess you set your own line in the sand when it comes to how you take criticism and how you stand up for your own beliefs in what you believe yeah. is a uh, warranted opinion or not. Um, obviously at Urban Pantry, I am not the proprietor of the business, so I have to listen to the criticism. And I think if you see enough criticism or enough um, complimentary criticism as well, I think you can make your own mind up about that information and go, well, there's a pattern here. We're obviously getting way too much criticism for this. You can't be then so self-centered and believe it's everybody else. Yes. So I think you draw your own line and you know potentially what is going on. And if you believe that you're running a tight ship with fresh, clean food and a great atmosphere and, and great dishes and great value and great service and every aspect of your kitchen is, is uh, running really smooth... And yes, the odd problem will come up. I think you can take that in your stride and, and run with it and not let it affect your ego too much. But um, obviously we want passion from people with food because that obviously uh, makes a, such a big difference. So I think, yeah, I think there are probably a lot of people out there that cannot handle that creative criticism or the, the expectations um, that didn't deliver on that. But I think if you see your scorecard and you know you're nailing it then when someone does put their hand up you can you can evaluate that on such a level head you can really make mm. a better decision yeah it's cool and I, I think that you know looking at it looking at it that way that, that you've just explained it's 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 good because it's another it's it's just another component of a way for you to reassess what you're doing and try to try to do, do it the best you can because in the past 
constructive criticism, whether or not it's valuable or not. I mean, some people, some people can be a bit, um, you know, they can't be, can be sort of not very thoughtful with what, some of their criticism, and 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 some criticism you can disregard. But but yeah, having having that other level there of information is just an, another tool that chefs can use in order to be able to assess their performance and what the market wants and what people enjoy and and enhance the product at the end of the day as well so yeah well you don't i mean you obviously you can be on the front pass and uh, keep your eye on a lot of stuff but there may be some things that you're unaware of um and and if you get that from a third party and it it unveils that to you you can make steps to improve that or change that and you're right it i guess it just adds to the the tools of um, developing your business, developing your kitchen, developing your food and your ideas. Yep. 100%. Awesome. Well, Malcolm, is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to Urban Pantry? I mean, you guys have undergone a recent change and now just doing breakfast and lunch. Good, fresh, vibrant food, lots of fresh produce. I think there's a good a, a good emphasis on health as well in, in this new menu that I've noticed. And um, yeah, freshness is the thing that comes to mind for me every time I eat here. Lots of colour, lots of seasonality, good use of vegetables. Yeah, well, I think um, I can only speak at the moment for Urban Pantry, and it doesn't agree. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean uh, further culinary um, pursuits I choose to go for will be the same. But um, I think the uh, philosophies of um, don't reinvent the wheel, and if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, guidelines for us that we're going to um, stick towards and aim towards um, that kind of well presented modern um, ha- homemade feeling food and familiar food Yeah. Um, but definitely pursuing the um, eating habits of today's clientele yeah Wicked. Well, you guys definitely definitely achieve that with your menus here because I bloody love this place. So, mate, you gave us recipes for the last Capital Cookbook for um, three years ago now and now for the Capital Cookbook 3, so I can't thank you enough for being involved and supporting these projects. Thanks, Malcolm. No, thank you. It's our pleasure to support um, these wonderful cookbooks and, um, yeah, we look forward to the next one in yeah. the series. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for my chat with Malcolm Hatch from Urban Pantry in Monica. I got to thank him for his support over the years and the great dishes he gave us for the Capital Cookbook 3. If you want to find out more about Urban Pantry, you can visit their website, urbanpantrymonica.com.au. And if you want more of these podcasts, you can download the Quicksand Food Connection on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also listen to the whole season for free on our website, quicksandfood.com. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on social media at Quicksand Food on Facebook and on Instagram. Thanks for joining us for this chat and we'll catch you again next time.